Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, I'm going to get into the Word today, and uh, today is a day that we celebrate across the, uh, the whole world, a day of Easter, a day to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us, to remember and celebrate the reality that Jesus is God and what His life and death meant to us, and He is to be followed with absolute and complete abandonment. And this is the day when people across the world made a personal decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life and become disciples of Jesus. And that meant that they were going to give up everything to follow after him. This is a day we remember where people have died for their faith and people have been persecuted and people have given up everything to live for this one simple truth that Jesus Christ, who is God, actually rose from the dead. That confession has cost millions of lives. Today, we're here to celebrate and be reminded today that there uh, are, you know, really many different types of people in the room today. There's people here today who are professed followers of Jesus Christ, and you are, you know, you, you are part of the church regularly, and this is just a kind of another day. Every day is Easter Sunday for us at Love City Church, but today's a special day because it's a, a, a holiday for you and a celebration and a focus point. Maybe some of you here today, it's, uh, you're, you're, you call yourself a Christian or you're religious, and you say, yeah, I know there's a God, and, and I grew up in a church, and I, I'm aware there's a God. I believe there's a God, but maybe you're not in an active relationship with him, and it's more about going through the motions or more about showing up on different holidays or maybe you're here today and, and you consider yourself spiritual and you don't know whether there's a God or not, but you just know there's a higher power. You feel it, you sense it, and you might want to call him the universe, but you say, hey, I know that there's a higher power. I just don't know who he is or maybe you're here today and none of these are for you, but you're searching and you're searching for something that brings life and hope and purpose in your life. What I want to do today is I want to help you understand something about the resurrection of Jesus. And for so long in church, many times we come on Easter Sunday, we talk about the idea of Jesus Christ dying and rising on the third day. We, we know about this. We hear it uh, in stories. We've heard it on different movies or different things, an allusion to the idea that this man, Jesus, rose from the dead. And we would even say intellectually, we, we might understand that, yes, it happened. I see it in Scripture. But we really don't understand the implications of what that means for our lives. We come on Easter, we hear the story, we turn to Luke chapter 22 or, you know, Matthew chapter whatever, and we go in and we say, okay, I know the story. I've read it. I understand it. But many of us here today don't understand the implications of what that actually means on a theological level, the understanding of what that meant from God to man, what that meant for you and for me in our lives today. Many of us don't understand what that means. And this is a very specific message. And even last night, I said, Lord, can I just teach something else? I don't want to. And I felt the Lord say, Ryan, you need to ask this question. Do you understand what the resurrection really means? I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. Ryan, do you get it? Do you understand it? You have a group of people going to listen to you for about a half hour. Tell them what it really means. Many of us don't understand what it means. Many of us see it as a, as, a, as a historical account, potentially, or a mythical idea, or a metaphor. Or, But we need to understand something. This actually happened 
And as we look at some scriptures today, what this will do is it'll actually raise some questions in our life. Do I really believe that Jesus is God? And am I really truly following Jesus with my whole life? Uh, uh, you know, when I die, will I really experience life after death? These questions will stir in your heart, hopefully today, to help you come to the end of our time together to make a conscious decision that I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, not through religion and not through ritual, but through a passionate, personal, real, experiential relationship with the living God who walked on the earth, who died a brutal murder. He was murdered, he was brutalized, and he rose on the third day, and we celebrate that he is the King of Kings, he's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, he is the first and the last. He's the, uh, this is the part when you start saying amen. He's the alpha. He's the omega. Come on. Amen. amen. You're at church today, right? I don't know what kind of church you went to, but I'm from the States. Okay. We make a little bit of noise in church. Thank you up front to the left. You're from Venezuela, aren't you? Okay. You speak in church? Oh, good. Praise God. Get louder, brother. <laughs> what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a section of scripture. We're going to walk through it together today, and what I want to do is I want to help you understand in this passage of Scripture what a man named Paul was trying to help a church of, in Corinth. He planted this church, and he went away, and he came. He realized there were some things happening in the church that he needed to adjust. He needed to bring some clarity to this church who had been, uh, been doing great, but there was a lot of challenges they were facing. And Paul wrote this letter to them, and he wrote two letters to them. And in this first letter, he was talking specifically about the resurrection. There were some in the church who were struggling with this idea of the resurrection. They were Christians, they were followers of God, but they were struggling with the idea that you're telling me that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Well, what does that mean for me? And there was a big challenge here in this scripture. What I want to do is I want to read for you this today in hopes that today you will leave with a fresh understanding that when we come and talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it has absolute incredible implications for how you live your life. It has implications for how you spend every moment of your day. And so let's read in our text today. We'll read a few scriptures today. Praise God, we're going to read the Bible today. Amen? Amen. I'm not just going to tell you some cute stories and make you chuckle. We're going to read the Bible. You guys happy about that? Okay, good. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Now let me remind you, brothers, of what the gospel really is. For it is not changed. It is the same good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and still do now, for your faith is squarely built upon this wonderful message. And it is this good news that saves you. And if you still firmly believe it, unless, of course, you never really believed it in the first place. I pass on to you right uh, from the first what had been told to me, that Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins, just as the scripture said he would, and that he was buried, and that three days afterwards he arose from the grave, just as the prophets said would happen. And you notice, he says in the scripture, listen, I'm going to tell you something that every single one of us today, this is the, 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 the very focal point of why we call ourselves followers of Jesus. It's the very bedrock. It's the very foundation for why we serve God. He says, unless there's some of you that didn't even believe in the first place, I'm here to remind you today on Resurrection Sunday why we call ourselves followers of Jesus and the power that comes with what today we celebrate. 
We see that Paul here was trying to help them understand the good news that Christ died for our sins. It was confirmed through the scriptures. He was buried. And three days afterwards, he rose from the grave, just as the prophets hundreds of years prior prophesied that a man, Jesus, would come who was born to a virgin birth to Mary, who lived a human yet sinless life, was crucified on a cross, was buried on a grave, and rose from the dead, just like he said he would do. The crazy part is that Jesus tried to tell his disciples multiple times that I'm going to do this, but the disciples never really understood. And what the death on the cross does to anyone who wants to believe is the death on the, or on the cross and the resurrection from the dead brings salvation from our sin. It restores us back into a relationship with God, our creator and heavenly father. It provides forgiveness and abundant life and living water and purpose for our life. The impact of the cross and the resurrection brings reconciliation with God and restoration of what God intended for our lives to be lived out. You say, Ryan, I know this, but do you really? Do you really understand what it means to experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What does the resurrection mean? Why did it happen? And Paul's continuing to just build a case because listen, guys, this was the gospel. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is why we're here. Let me give you a little bit of evidence. And then he goes in to begin to just to prove it with evidence. He says, listen, if there was eyewitness account, he was seen by Peter and later by the rest of the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 Christian brothers. Look at this at one time. They say, well, it was just a hallucination. The same hallucination by 500 different people in completely different diverse environments. I don't think so. He was seen by more than 500 Christian brothers at one time, most of whom are actually still alive today, though some have died by now. And then Jesus, uh, J James saw him, his brother, and later all the apostles. And last of all, I saw him too, long after the others, as though I had been born almost too late. He says, listen, there was eyewitness account. An eyewitness account of, 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 of something that happened is one of the greatest pieces of evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That the eyewitnesses saw it for themselves. That when Paul wrote this letter 50 years after the Jesus had risen from the dead, there were still, still people there saying, listen, I was in the room. I was there. I was there when Jesus walked through the wall with, with his scars on his hands and his feet. I was there when Jesus caused the fish to be on the water when they had breakfast together after he rose from the dead. I was there when Jesus revealed himself. I saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. And this is the, one of the most powerful forms of historical evidence that Paul writes that there was 500 witnesses. This means 500 different people and even more all saw the same resurrected Jesus. He wasn't a spirit. He had a resurrected body. He was physically able to be touched. It was Jesus. It looked like Jesus. It felt like Jesus. It was absolutely Jesus, but it was different. He had now was the resurrected king. We also see the, the basic fact of historical evidence that the state of, of the execution was in the first century where a Jew named Jesus of Nazareth was under Pontius Pilate and he was a Roman governor of Judea during the reign of Emperor Tiberius. Jesus' resurrection happened three days later. These are all historical accounts seen in history to prove that Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead. We also see that the body, there was no body. 
Remember that when Jesus was, was, was rosen, risen from the dead, they couldn't find a body. It was just gone. No body to be found. The disciples thought that the movement had ended. Remember, the disciples thought that Jesus was going to restore a physical kingdom. They thought that Jesus was going to come, like, come back from the dead or he was going to you know, maybe not die at all. Like, they just thought he was going to live and be king and they were going to be at his right and left and he was, they were going to have minions and they were going to reign and rule on the earth. But what they didn't know was that Jesus was actually going to die. They thought it was just metaphorical. He's just being funny. Ha ha, Jesus, he's talking about that death thing again. See, we see that, that, that these individuals did not believe and did not understand that Jesus Christ was going to rise from the dead. And so they did not understand. And in fact, the scripture says that after he was raised from the dead, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. And then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus, meaning this, they did not believe this until it happened. Meaning that, that these individuals wouldn't think, to, let's go grab Jesus' body. Let's go get it. Let's go steal it and put it away somewhere. We see that the disciples didn't get it, but the enemy, Jesus' enemies did. In fact, they heard that Jesus' enemies were paying more attention than the disciples. Look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 27. The next day, the, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, we remember, this is the, 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 these are people who don't believe in Jesus. We remember while he was still alive that the deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This is the last deception. will be worse than the first. So take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posted the guard. Remember, we, we, the, the, the stone was rolled away and there was no body in the tomb. They couldn't find a body. It was missing. They didn't know what to do. And we realized that also after this happened, we also see that the chief priests made up the idea that the body had been stolen while the women were on their way. Some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, You're to, you are to say this. His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If the report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. This is why so many of our Jewish brothers do not believe that Jesus rose on the third day. That's why our friend Ben Shapiro doesn't believe that Jesus Christ rose on the third day. Because he believes this story. See, that's another evidence is that we have eyewitness account. We have historical evidence in, in just history. There was no body. But not only that, the, one of the greatest evidences that Jesus Christ rose from the dead was the fact that there was a group of disciples who were willing to lay down their entire lives for this one truth. There were disciples of Jesus. Why would they die for something that was a lie? Church tradition holds that every single apostle except for John was martyred for their faith. John was sent to, to the island of Patmos to pound rocks for the rest of his life. 
Why would so many of them do this? The authorities persecuted followers of Jesus because they believed that Jesus was divine and he rose on the third day. That was the only reason for it. Generations we have seen people lose their lives and be cut in two and have their nails ripped out and have their possessions stolen and having their head cut off. Why? Because we believe Jesus Christ rose on the third day. We believe that Jesus Christ is God. And they knew that if they died, they would rise again as well. They believed it. They saw it. They were there. And the church of Jesus has grown over thousands of years. We sit here today because there was an individual hundreds, if not thousands of years ago that believed in this truth and shared it with someone and they believed it and then they believed it and then they believed it and then your mom and dad believed it and now you believe it today or someone shared their faith with you. You are here because of the testimony that this man, Jesus Christ, rose on the third day. Now, this is what Paul was trying to show these people. He's trying to remind them, listen, guys, this is the foundation of our, of our belief system. And not only that, it actually happened. It was a real account in history. But Paul was, Paul was trying to bring them back to center. He was trying to give them evidence because there was an issue in the church. There was an issue that was going on. In fact, it was impacting how they chose to live their life in the present. The life that they were living right now on this planet was not a life lived like a resurrected life. And there was something that was going on in their lives and they were beginning to, to, to see that things were changing and shifting and things were not what they used to be. And Paul was recognizing this issue in the church. And look what he said in the scripture in 1 Corinthians, back to our main text, verse 12. But tell me this, he says, since you believe what we preach, that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that dead people will never come back to life again? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ must still be dead. And if he is still dead, then all preaching is useless and your trust in God is empty, worthless, and hopeless. And we apostles are all liars because we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. And of course, that isn't true if the dead do not come back to life again. And if they don't, then Christ is still dead. And you are very foolish to keep on trusting God to save you and are still under condemnation for your sins. In that case, all Christians who have died are lost. And if being a Christian is of value to us only now in this life, we are the most miserable of all creatures. I'll read that again. I want you to catch it. If being a Christian is of value to us only now in this life, we are the most miserable of creatures. See, Paul was talking about something going on. He's saying, listen to Christ. If, if you don't understand that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very paramount, very focal point of your entire existence, he says, listen, I want to help you understand that if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead and believe that you and I will be risen with Christ when, the, when Christ returns, you have no value in this life. Your Christianity means nothing because you're only living for today. You're only living for this moment. You're only living for this hour. See, what we do is we understand the implications of the resurrection. We start to live a life that is focused on ourselves. We start to live a life as a Christian who's focused on my success and my today and my prosperity and my life plan. And we begin to get so focused on this natural world. We forget that the very essence of the resurrection was to get our minds to be thinking about the real life, which is in heaven. 
See, Paul was recognizing this. And I, I know today I, I, I could have very easily preached a really fun, cute message, but I felt the Lord say, Ryan, I want my people to understand the implications of the resurrection of Jesus because it will change how you live your life because we are in a moment, but a breath. We will live for an eternity with Christ forever. And the resurrection is only about that. What he's saying here is that Paul needed to remind them what it ultimately meant. And look what Paul says here. Now he's going to tell us what is the resurrection all about and what value was there. If it was only for what I gained in this life down here, if we will never live again after we die, then we might as well go and have ourselves a good time. Let us eat. Let us drink. Let's be merry. What's the difference for tomorrow? We die. And that ends everything. See, the very essence of our faith is that if you were to die today, you will not die. The very essence of your faith is that real life happens after we die. Man, you're just like, man, I'm so glad I came to church today. All we did was talk about death. Why? Yes, we're going to talk about death. You want to know why? Because we never die. We rise again. We will step from this life to the next life in eternity with Christ. And if you continue to read in this chapter, you will see that the life that God has for us after life is much better than the life that we have here. This is why I'm doing a series uh, next month on eternity, talking about heaven and hell. Because I believe that if we can be a followers of Jesus and a people of God who remember that, yes, this life is important. And yes, we're stewards. And yes, have fun and party and have a good time. I hope you hear what I mean. I mean, in a godly way, you know what I mean? I mean, live this life. But remember that if that's our only focus, we have to remember Jesus could have just stayed on the earth if that's what he wanted to do. But he didn't. He died and he rose again. In fact, in the scripture, he continues. He says, for tomorrow we die and that ends everything. And then he says this. Don't be fooled by those who say such things. If you listen to them, you're going to start acting like them. If you accept the message that, oh, don't worry about, man, who knows what happens after life? Who knows what, what you know, you know, we, we're all, we don't, who, know, who really knows? Well, we know. If you're here today and you don't know, I'm telling you, I know. I know. That's why. Jesus wants us to live a life of abandonment to here on earth and give our everything to him. Why? Because he knows, hey guys, this is just but a moment. And in fact, we continue, he says this, but all who are related to Christ will rise again. Each, however, in his own turn, Christ rose first and then when Christ comes back, all his people will become alive again. And after that, the end will come. And when he will return, he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having put down all the enemies of every kind for Christ will be king until he's defeated all his enemies, including the last enemy, death. This is so much to be, uh, this too must be defeated. And then John writes in the book of Revelations, he says this, I, or I'm sorry, Paul writes this. I'm telling you this strange and wonderful secret. We shall not all die, but we all shall all be given new bodies. It will all happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. When and the last trumpet is blown for there will be a trumpet blast from the sky and all the Christians who have died will suddenly become alive with new bodies that will never, never die. And then we who are still alive shall suddenly have new bodies too for our earthly bodies. The ones we see now that cannot die, Mark, that can die must be transformed into heavenly bodies that cannot perish, but will live forever. And when this happens, then at 
last scripture will come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where then is your victory? Where then is your sting? For sin, the sting that causes death, will all be gone. And the law, which reveals our sins, will no longer be our judge. How we thank God for all this. Happy Easter. It is he who makes us victorious through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then John writes this, that I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them in their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death and there will be no no more mourning and there will be no more crying and there will be no more pain for the old order of things has passed away and he was seated on the throne and said I am making everything new he said to me it is done I am the alpha I am the omega I am the beginning I am the end to the thirsty I will give water without cost of the spring of the water of life and those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. See, the Lord said to me, Ryan, you could preach a good word, but you just need to read some scripture today. See, this is what, this is what it's all about. It's not about this life and the tangible things of this life and you just being pros prosperous and having what everything you ever wanted in life. Yes, those things are good and, and valuable according to God's will, but this life means nothing without the reality that there is life after death. There is a new heaven and a new earth. I will have a resurrected body and today I celebrate because this life doesn't mean anything compared to the life that I will have when Christ returns for his people. Now, Paul ends this text, and I want to end today with this. Paul ends this entire chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, with an encouragement to the church. And this is what I want to leave with you today. This is your take home. This is your thing you can talk about today at Easter and say, hey, let's talk about this together as a family. Look what he says in Revelation, or 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58. He says, so my dear brothers, and I'll throw sisters in there because he meant to say sisters. He just forgot. So my dear brothers and sisters, since future victory is sure, be strong and steady, always abounding in the Lord's work, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever wasted as it would be if there were no resurrection. What he does here is he gives three very simple things. He says this, be strong. This phrase here, be strong, this phrase here means to remain steadfast. It's the idea of you sitting in a chair just like you are now, safe, secure, and firm. This speaks to the idea that we are convinced. I am convinced and I am settled. It speaks to the idea of a decision. I have made a decision that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and it will impact my daily life because I don't live for today. I live for the life after death. He says, be strong, be steady. Focus your life, not just on the things of this world, but set your eyes on the things of heaven. Focus your life, not just on the natural, but have your eyes and heart open to the supernatural. Don't live today just for yourself, but live a life for God. Make a decision is what he's saying. Be strong, be firm, be steadfast in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let the matter be settled in your heart today. And then he says this, 
be steady. Another phrase here is be immovable. This is the only time this word is used in the entire New Testament. This word here is the idea is to be not be moved from one place to the other. It's the idea that now that you've settled this in your heart, let nothing move you. Now that you've settled that I am a disciple of Jesus and he died and rose for me and I'm going to rise again just like Christ did and my life is going to reflect a resurrected life, nothing's going to move me. No argument, no hardship, no offense, no sickness, no political uh, drama, nothing on this planet. No disease, no virus, no sickness, no difficulty, no hardship. It doesn't matter what's happened, even if it might be a loss of a child or a sickness in your life or a disappointment with your job, whatever it might be, I will say, listen, I will not be moved because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross and he rose on the third day. Therefore, he has overcome all fear and all death and he will give me all victory. I know it might might not happen in this life, but it could happen in the life to come. But I will receive my reward. I will not be moved. I will not be changed by the things of this world. I will not be changed by the things in this culture. I will not be changed by the situations I face. I will not be changed when things happen to me that I don't understand, that cause me fear and anxiety and trauma. I will not allow those things to impact my belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I will not be moved. Settle this in my heart that a day will come where there will be no tears and no pain. This crazy thing going on in our world will be silenced and there'll be peace and joy and life and victory in Christ. Lastly, he says this, always abound in the Lord's work. This basically means this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm going to live a life that pleases God. I'm not going to live a life that pleases me. I'm not going to live a life that just, just is focused on me and my wants and my desires and where do I want to go and my plan and my future. No, no. You say, God, I've settled it in my heart that you've resurrected from the dead. I've settled it in my heart that you're God. I am now a disciple of yours. Okay, I'm not going to let anything move me and I'm going to live a life that pleases God. See, this impacts your decisions. It impacts how you live your life. It impacts how you serve God. It, uh, I'm going to make a, a choice to live a life that matters to God. I'm going to put God first in everything that I do. I'm going to put God above and beyond everything in my life. Why? Because Jesus Christ has proven to be God. He rose on the third day. He died for me. And when I die, I will spend an eternity with Christ forever so because of that because of this reality I'm going to begin to live a life today that counts for God I'm not going to wait until I get married or wait until I have a child or wait until I get that career or wait until wait until listen the Bible says that your life is but the the width of my hand and I have small hands that's what the Bible says this is how long your life is Will we live a life that says, okay, God, I'm going to make my life count for you. I'm going to live a life that matters. I'm going to live a life that makes a difference. I'm going to live a life that honors you, God. God, this area of my life that I've been given into, I really enjoy it, but I'm going to say no more. I won't do that anymore, God. Why? Because it does not please my God. I'm going to live a life of discipleship. I'm going to live a life of honor. I'm going to live a life of love. 
I'm gonna live a life that invests into others. I'm gonna live a life that gives. I'm gonna live a life that serves. I'm gonna live a life that makes a difference. I'm gonna live a life that brings joy and life to every room that I walk in. Why? Because my God rose from the dead. Did yours? No? Okay, well, mine did. I'm gonna live a life that makes a difference instead of living a purposeless existence, going from A to B, doing whatever I wanna do. No, my life now has value and I'm going to make a difference. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the resurrection of power of Christ lives in me. So there are several people in the room today. As we started, is your life surrendered to Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Christ today that's beyond religion and ritual? Do you truly believe that this man named Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day and that one day you will be risen again as well? This means that there is life after death. This means that there is life victorious. Maybe you've never heard this before today and you want to accept Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I didn't realize that this was the implications of the resurrection in my life. And I'd like to make a fresh commitment to the Lord and say, man, I want to make settle this in my heart today. And I'm not going to be wishy-washy in and out for God. I'm not going to live this halfway thing for God. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going all in or I'm not going in at all. This is the, the purpose of the resurrection, to reconcile people back into a relationship with God. So you can say, okay, God, I'm not going to do this lukewarm Christian thing any longer. If you died for me, I'm going to die for you. And that's what today's all about. So maybe you're in the room or watching online, you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. We're going to give you the opportunity. Maybe you're in the room today. Say, Ryan, I want to make a fresh commitment to the Lord today to settle this in my heart. Come on, with every eye open and every butt down, I'll have boldness for Christ today. If you're in the room today, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make a rededication. Be bold today. He was bold for you. Be bold for him. Come on. I just want you to place your hand in the air. All we'll do is love you and encourage you. I'm going to pray for you today. Who's the bold one today? <laughs> Place your hand in the air. I'm going to count to three, okay? And I want to pray for you. I'll have us close your eyes. It's okay. Jesus is here right now. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. I sense so strong. There's some of you in the room today who have been living a ritualistic, religious walk with God. And today, he wants you to be a radical follower of him. Come on, on the count of three, I'm going to you can raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, anybody in the room. else come on that's awesome right, we're going to pray for our two friends here today who made this fresh commitment to serve the Lord come on would you close your eyes for a moment Lord we end our resurrection Sunday today our service today Father by declaring that you are the king of our life we make a conscious decision right now to settle this in our heart that Jesus you rose from the dead. I pray for my brothers here today, Lord, who lifted their hand. I pray for those who, Lord, were, did not raise their hand today. Those online, we pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that you would bring, Father, a fresh wind of your spirit into their life today. I pray, Lord, for every area of their life that might be hindering them or holding them back today. God, we declare today, the Lord, that you are with them, that you want to help them, that you want to deliver them from all areas of their life where they're struggling. And Lord, for everyone in the room today, we declare, Jesus, we want to follow you with all of our lives. We want to lay our life down to serve you, Jesus. 
And as we go today, I declare, Father, that we will be new creations in Christ. We will declare the life-giving power of Jesus in your mighty name. Come on, everybody said.